Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. We are back on the Oz Network as we are one week away from the finale, but two hours away from the end of the series. Uh, basically, we're really close to the end of day four of 24. We are up to 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. The March March 16th episode, the March 16th recording almost, uh, the May 16th, 2005 episode, uh, written by Matt Mishinovitz. Yeah. Uh, and Duppy Demetrius. Duppy! <laughs> there he is. <laughs> and the second episode in a row, directed by Kevin Hooks. Um, this is the big return of a big character that, uh, let's just say it, Mandy's back. Oh. Where's the da, 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 da? Mandy? <laughs> Fuck yeah, Mandy. The return of Mandy and the return of Richard Heller. Uh, the two characters that everybody was just dying to come back. Oh, I like Richard Heller. I'm a fan. Uh, you're an only fan. Uh, I'd watch Richard Heller's only fans. I'm sure Jamie would. Um, but uh, yes, we are this close to the finale and we are full of presidential drama and motel rooms and Jack Bauer. Cause he has to be there. Um, I guess he has to be there. I don't well. know if they could try it without him. Uh, actually, before we go, I will I will talk about the latest big news from Kiefer Sutherland in regards to 24, which basically amounts to nothing. Uh, my name is Colin, and I didn't mean to do anything wrong. And my name is Ben, and in the first place, it's Mr. President, Colin. <laughs> uh, in title only. <laughs> Tell me this news, because I've got, well, this, oh. I saw a trailer for Kiefer's new show coming out, which... Doesn't really blow the world apart, but sure, I'll probably watch it still. Yeah, I mean, he's been promoting Rabbit Hole, and one of the interviews he had was talking about 24. And I mean, he first the the good stuff. He he basically referred to it as the greatest years of his life, and went on and on about how much he loved the show. And then they get into talking about whether or not he would ever come back for it. And he says that like for the the way that it's written is like, oh, this is this is trying to lure people in. It's giving them a false sense of hope. It's like. Yeah, so I had a recent discussion with Howard Gordon about this. I'm like, well, they're meeting, they're discussing. And he's like, but, you know, we talk on the phone all the time. And and <laughs> every time we talk, it always comes up. Hey, what about 24? Um, but still, there's some type of talk out there. He basically said, oh, yeah, you, we always figure if there's a way to bring Jack back, you know, it's, it, it's, it's mapping out what the storyline would be. Oh, the Russians and stuff like this. <laughs> but then he basically says, but, you know, I think that the great thing about 24 is that you don't need to have Jack Bauer. But if they ever did another season without Jack, I would want to be a producer. We've done so, that. It was it, stupid. But, but, 
<laughs> but this is basically him saying, I, if I was a producer, it would have worked. But he was a and producer. He, he was a producer on Legacy. Well, I think he was a, he was name only, like one of these, oh, we're going to give you an associate producer or whatever. But But then he went on to say, and I also feel like you could do this series and not have it be about CTU. You could do a firefighter 24 hours a day. You could they do a lawyer 24 hours a day. They talked, like, they nearly did a law one. It was on the card. Exactly, yeah. It, it, so basically he gave us nothing new uh, and agreed with everything that has already been said before about 24. Um, but still, it's always uh, in the, the talks with him and Howard Gordon when they have their monthly conversations. Look, a couple of things. First of all, I love Kiefer Bits. You know that. I saw him live in a bar in New York to sing some, you know, above average songs. But like For $40. Exactly. Whereas Mary Lynn wanted $200 <laughs> for a 10-minute appearance. All right? Don't get me started on Mary Lynn Rajkov in <laughs> Sydney. All right? Um, but, like... I, I, if I'm keep like, I get it when you're known for such a role, you're always going to get questions. But, like, I'm sure if right now they said, all right, Oz Network, rabbit hole, here's Kiva Sutherland. Like, we're going to be like, oh, my God, it's Kiva Sutherland. We want to talk to him about 24. Yeah. But if they're like, you've got 10 minutes and do not mention 24. Okay. <laughs> when I interviewed Kevin Bacon with his brother Mark on the Bacon Brothers, the directive was there are two of them. You need to balance the conversation out and mm-hmm. please try not to over talk about Kevin and his film career. So I did that. I asked one movie question and we know what movie that was about. One of Ben's top 50 <laughs> movies, the air up there. Hoot Gibson, big fan of that, by the way. Um, but like, seriously, he's promoting his show. And these people are like, oh, 24. So rabbit hole looks crap about 24. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also like, like Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet are still very good friends. They always hang out. They always post pictures of each other every now and then and stuff like that. They did that other movie together. They did that other movie together. But like, do people sit down? So Leo, Titanic 2. Is that a possibility? <laughs> well, I was talking to Kate Winslet. Yeah, like actors yeah. talk and become friends and creators and all that sort of stuff. Like I'm, would, would I like to see another 24? Eh, maybe. Like it's, it's kind of one of these things where it's like on paper, it sounds great. We want more. But there was a reason why this show ended. And like, you know, season nine, Live Another Day was pretty good for what it did. But it's also now been 10 years. I saw the preview for Rabbit Hole and I love Keeper Sexy Man, but he's also looking a bit older. And like, what more can we have from Jack Bauer? Like it just, it's rinse, repeat, recycle. It didn't work without Jack. I, I as much as I love this show and we're talking about it, do I want to see more? I'm just saying this now. No. If they did it again with him, I'd be happy. I'd watch it. But I 1% chance it would be any good. Because when are these reboots and sequels and all that sort of stuff any good, like 1% of the time? Yeah. I mean, Kiefer Sutherland, if you've listened to any interviews with him, he also doesn't have the best memory. I mean, he, he no. doesn't seem to know. All the drugs and alcohol <laughs> do that to him. But uh, th- this interview with him basically read to me as if, all the conversations they have, they have the same conversation every single week. It's like, yeah, so, you know, you know, it'd be a really great idea for another season of 24. Like if we did it with a lawyer <laughs> and Howard Gordon's like, yeah, Kiefer, great idea. Let me jot that down in the notebook here. <laughs> a lawyer. Send Kiefer oh, more like, pills. <laughs> one day we could do a blackjack bower, <laughs> and, but it doesn't have me in it. I like your thinking, and maybe we'll call it Legacy. Yeah, we can have Miranda Otto in it, maybe. Jimmy uh, Smith. Jimmy Smith could be in it. You never know. It could work. But, like, 
That was like years ago. Apparently it was like, I don't know if it, maybe even a pilot was written about this lawyer one. That was really on the cards. Like that yeah, was got close. Very, very close. But like it's, I don't know. Like we saw what happened with Legacy. And like this mm-hmm. show does not work without Jack Bauer. I like, if I'm being completely honest with you, I think it will happen. I think we'll get something. I think Kiefer's now like, you know, he tried that stupid touch show. Didn't work. Designated Survivor was enough of a hit that it got cancelled and got brought back for one season on on Netflix. It went away. He did The Fugitive. It went Fugitive, away. Yeah. He's selling me crypto. I'm, and, <laughs> in all fairness, The Fugitive, I think, only went away because that QB just died. I think it wasn't the show. Yeah. I think it was just QB died. I, I, I get in an elevator. There's Kiefer. I want to buy crypto. I don't know what it is, but I want to buy it because Kiefer's selling it to me. If freaking Rabbit Hole goes on to be a huge success, he'll be doing that for many years. If this fails, the more shows he tries... I think eventually it's going to get to a point where he's just going to be like, fuck it, can we just do another season of 24? <laughs> but like, I just, I honestly think we will. And like, do a movie. Like, they, this movie that's always been talked about, it's all you need to do. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I just, uh, but it just opens up another can of worms. I don't know. You know, the concept of doing 24 not involving CTU is something that I think could work. And I don't understand why they don't do it. Like, do a lawyer version of it. Do, a, 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 I think police would kind of be a little bit too similar, but find anything like it, do, do the housewife host. version of it podcast host like, literally you could do anything with this concept uh and have the 24 universe and uh, real time in podcasting <laughs> <laughs> hit stop I, hit stop beep, beep, beep. that's unfortunately what the oz network is now with our lack of editing <laughs> yeah this is real time oz network but yeah there, there's potential but yeah either way nothing new on the 24 front <sighs> um don't buy anything that uh, they're, they're trying to feed you. Anyways, this episode, um, I loved it. I thought it was actually really good. And this is at the point of the season where it's like, I remember a few plot points that happen, but basically it became a blur to me. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this. Oh, and I don't remember this. Like to me, it's almost like half of this is new, even though I- I've seen this season a couple of times. Uh, but the stuff that we're getting here that, I did remember is actually better than I remember because I, I would say the Tony and Michelle storyline, I sort of remember that being like, oh, that was like kind of a weak ending and everything. And the way that this all plays out, I'm like, it's so obvious what they're doing, but it's so effective. And I feel like that's just, that is the the definition of Tony and Michelle in this season. It is so corny. It is so predictable, but it works. And I think what, we haven't really talked a lot about this season. I think season four has the most tonal shifts in turn of like generally the three act seasons, you sort of get a vibe for something like season three. It was all about the Salazar's and it was kind of all about Saunders and it kind of felt the same in those sort of two distinct arcs and then were connected season two with the recording and the nuclear bomb season one, kind of, you know, the way it sort of worked. And I think that was more consistent across the whole way. Whereas this, like, it's just the different tone. Like, remember, you know, when we were nuclear plants were melting down and Audrey and that were kidnapped and then he was robbing liquor stores and all this kind of like, mm-hmm. they all feel different. And now we're kind of in that post-China phase where even China's kind of almost sort of forgotten about to this point now where we've got this Tony Michelle stuff Then we're going to get back to China next week. And it's sort of, it bounced all over the place. But I agree with you completely. And this is one of the rare occasions where, like, we're really getting to that period now of 24 where they are starting to recycle storylines. And this will become a huge problem later on, going back to my point about what are you going to do new in this show. But, like, this is one of those very rare occasions where they recycle a storyline and it fucking works because they yeah. kind of do it the complete opposite of what they did the first time. Spoiler alert for season six. Season six or seven? Six, I think it is. 
Jack Bauer invades a Russian consulate and nearly starts a war with another country. Does that sound familiar from like a couple of weeks ago? It's like you are rolling your eyes at that point. Whereas this, it's kind of like, wow, this is exactly what they did in season three. But I kind of like it because the shoe's on the other foot. And Rekha Owlsworth is amazing. Carlos Bernard yeah. is amazing. And freaking, I'm saying this right now, and not just because, you know, for obvious reasons. Why? Because I absolutely love a character. But to me, the fact that you've got Mandy coming back and she's so fucking good. Um, how, um, um, what's her name? Mia Kirshner did not get a guest. And like next week, she is incredible. Like I know we're yeah. jumping ahead, but like there's something about Mia Kirshner that I just think gets underappreciated because everything I've seen her and she's just kind of the token hot girl. Like I don't know if you ever watched it. You didn't watch the L word. It was about lesbians. Of course you didn't watch it. But like, <laughs> like, you know, she's kind of just got that sex appeal about her that kind of, I feel overshadows the fact that she's actually a really good actor and yeah. she's really good in this. She's really good next week. And it's just, it's intriguing. And I think we talked about this. They bring back a character who is so important to season one, so important to season two, but she's also a very blink and you miss it. And even when she's revealed in this episode, you kind of got a music cue where it's all like <gasps> shock. But like mm-hmm. if people didn't watch this show or aren't paying that much attention. They're going to remember it. This isn't like, oh, da, 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 Palmer's back. Da, 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 Tony's back. Da, 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 Michelle's back. This is just like, oh, cool. Am I meant to know who that is? And when you do know yeah. it is, you're like, oh, this is so cool. So, yeah, long winded way of saying I enjoy this episode too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, I'll kind of jump ahead. You're just talking about Mia Kirshner because I was, I was watching this. And again, I thought she was great in season one, you know, season two, but here like she takes it to the next level yeah and i I started looking through her filmography i'm like you know why didn't she amount to more and this isn't knocking her career i mean she's had a pretty consistent career but she's never really had that massive breakout role and the only thing that i've seen her in recently and jamie actually watched it was she did hallmark's first ever (sighs) made for tv hanukkah film uh which wasn't terrible but it is a hanukkah film uh on hallmark hallmark hanukkah uh and i'm like this woman should be a bigger star. Like she is an incredible actress and just for whatever reason, you know, she's never quite gotten that massive break, but yeah, somebody give her a break. Cause she deserves it. Yeah. She, and I think we could get her on the show. <laughs> she's not big enough. I don't know if she was on the list of people that we contacted, but we should really reach out to her because I, I know my friend who I watched this show with, like she got really excited whenever she saw her cause she massive L word fan. So she knew her from that. Um, but I think she said she was a massive L word. Uh, well, she actually is. <laughs> My friend was a massive L word. <laughs> she is a lesbian, so uh, good for her. Um, but, like, I think, like, one thing that's it's disappointing, but I think in the way it's not, because we never see Mandy again after the end of this season. Yeah. And in a way that's good, because you don't want to, like, overkill. Like, I think they overkill Logan eventually. Um, but, like... In a way, I'm kind of sad that like she wasn't brought back as so it's kind of like how I say with Nina. I feel Nina should have been a big bad. Like that was that's the way to get rid of Nina. Kind of have her as the ultimate villain of a season, and that's kind of how you end her arc. I feel like you could have done this with Mandy as well. But I, I at the same time, I am kind of glad what they do. They kind of keep her, and maybe they were planning on bringing her back, and they just it just never got around to doing it. We'll get to that with um with uh, Desmond uh, from uh, Lost next season where I feel they were planning on bringing him back, but they never did. But um, yeah, I, I love her. And th- th- I mean, I'll be, I'll say this right now. Next week is even more superior than this week, but I think this is kind of where in this stretch of this week's great. Next week's even better. And then the finale is a bit of a letdown, but I don't know if you've watched ahead to the finale yet. 
I, I've seen I've seen the first half of next week's episode. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I I I just want to say one more thing on Mia Kirshen. I mean, she's she's had Star Trek recently, which I guess is probably the most high profile. She was Michelle Yeoh. Done. She wasn't Michelle Yeoh, sadly. No, no but imagine with if she Michelle had done this. With, oh like... no, no, she wasn't. But same TV series, but I don't think they were ever on screen together. Uh, but uh, you know th- that show's ending now too. So I mean, if if you're going to reboot Twenty Four. You've got mm-hmm. the character here that you could do the flip side of it. Let's do 24 from the terrorist point of view. You know, th- this is this is the type of character. It, this is also a woman who's never aged too. I mean, no, you could do amazing. anything. Uh, and one thing I'll say too is, and props to the writers of this episode, is that while, yeah, Palmer was spoiled coming back. I'm pretty sure Tony was. I think even Michelle, like it was leaked in the media that these people are coming back. I never remember back in, in 2005 them saying that Mia Kirshen is coming they, back. Yeah, they talk about that on the commentary for this episode that like this was the surprise that basically uh, one of the most common things they get asked is, do you read message boards and take suggestions from fans? And all the fans had been saying for like two years, bring back Mandy. We want Mandy. And then when it came out, everybody was blown away. They're like, I can't believe they listened to us, you know, uh, thinking that it was because of them. I definitely don't remember. But but that's the thing. Like, yeah, you she was a very popular character because I think like what they did very well with that was, you know, she was kind of this random, you know, blew up the plane in the very beginning of the, you know, she's memorable. Like that screenshot of her just as the plane blows up is one of the most famous images from all of 24. And then the fact that she's the one who nearly killed Palmer, which becomes a huge plot line in the finale of this one big thing I'll praise about the finale is kind of, you know, they reference it with Palmer. Uh, I think that kind of, that's great. And like, if they never brought her back, you'd be like, oh, okay, what happened to her? But, like, I'm glad they found a use of it. And, and, again, they didn't just bring her straight back in season three. We talked about that with Sherry and Nina. They kind of maybe you needed to leave a bit more time before you bring them back because mm-hmm. there's not really, like, I mean, Kim's an example, which I think, like, we don't see Kim at all this season, but they bring her back next season, which I think works. It makes you happy to see Kim. Uh, and mm-hmm. let's be honest, you're always happy to see Kim moving forward except for the end of season seven. Uh, but then it's kind of like Logan, like, sort of, like, he comes back and I think he misses all of season seven and comes back season eight. So initially like, yeah, Logan's back. But then you're kind of like, Oh God, it's Logan. But yeah. Anyway, uh, Mandy. Yay. But yeah. One other thing, just to confirm something that we talked about before uh, on the commentary, it's Matt and Duppy on the commentary. And they, they confirm that that other not Mandy that we had a couple episodes ago uh, during the, uh, the, the stealth uh, storyline. FBI. That was FBI. agent. Yeah that was meant to be Mandy oh, and whatever they, yeah. they couldn't get the dates lined up. Right. So they, they had the plan. We're bringing Mandy back and it had wanted to do it earlier. Instead they had oh, this fake Mandy. Better. Yeah. Yeah. And then save her for later on. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I thought when, it, when I heard that, I'm like, yeah, I wonder how this would have worked, but then you have her as a third act villain. Whereas really what she turns into here is she's going to turn into the, the final eighth of the season villain. You know, yeah. she's just in the last couple episodes, but she sort of takes over and becomes like the new default villain for the next the only thing the one thing i'll complain about it though is i think if you kind of really pick apart the plot why she's involved it doesn't really make sense but i'm not really caring but the thing that i will praise this for and i've said this way back at the beginning of the season when we talked about richard is them bringing him back and the way they tie that into what happened earlier i think is fantastic like Mm. i do not believe for a second that they would have planned that this is of course a show that we know they generally don't plan out a whole season but the way that they are so able to seamlessly tie bringing him back in to this phone call to the, oh, so this is clearly why he was like lying earlier in the day. Like, 
I th- I think it's brilliant. Like again, you yeah. can pick apart this, but like it's just it's one of these clever you know things that they sort of left open ended earlier, but then they brought back, and then it makes like sense. And again, this is why when you were going off about Richard earlier in the season, I'm like, no, I like this guy. Like, I, cause I kind of like what happens later on. Although I will say this is a bit dated. The fact that he basically reveals he's gay and his sister and dad are like, Oh, we're so ashamed of him. <laughs> it, they, they, they do play it a little bit differently that we, we just covered and people can listen to the episode, the uh, review of Shazam where a character is revealed as gay. And it's like, yeah. And <laughs> you know, this is a little bit different where it's like, so ashamed. You know, Willem Dafoe doesn't have a gay son. It was one thing to be a terrorist or an affiliated terrorist, but now you're gay. <laughs> this is that literally uh, the episode sure. where Kim Raver went, "Hmm, gay, Grey's Anatomy. I might do that show." I, I don't know the connection. Is she gay on Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> it was a bad pun to references that were not funny. But move on. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, that was a Max just- Dawson of jokes on this show. <laughs> The other thing to talk about just from the commentary, Matt and Duppy were saying like with Richard Heller, you know, th- this was planned out. Like the, the the commentary is actually really good depending on who you get on it because they will give you different perspective. Like the one that had Sean Shannon Tallery Doherty? on was Shannon <laughs> Doherty. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but with this one, you really get a glimpse inside like what a writer's room is like because uh, we've talked about this before. It, it's not like when we say this episode was written by Duppy Demetrius, that it was just, all right, Duppy, write our next episode. Like you basically have I don't know, a dozen or more writers who all work together throughout the entire season and they're mapping out, this is where the storyline is going to go next. Okay, this is your episode, so you're basically writing it, but everybody sort of contributes. Uh, But the Richard Heller thing was sort of decided, they're bringing back, and they mentioned that like every season, they'll leave certain things sort of unexplored. Like, oh, here's something we might pick up later on, like Beirut being the famous one. You got Beirut, right? Uh, We don't know whether we're going to come back to this or not. And that they had all thought throughout the season we kind of would like to re-explore the Richard thing. And they left it off in a way where it's like, oh, we may come back to this and how happy they were to have Richard back so that they could properly tie something up. And that makes sense because, you know, this is generally a show where I feel they don't often leave things open. That's why, like, again, next season, when it comes to Henry and Cusack appearing in like two episodes, I always feel- I don't even remember him. Ah, like he's not really like that. But like, I mean, I think I just- I always remembered him more because I think when I started watching Lost, I'm like, is that that random German agent from 24? And because it's just, it's literally the way they end it. To me, it's it's a weird 24 open-ended way of ending it. And I'm kind of like, that's not a, tw-. like, he's coming back. As soon as that storyline happened on season five and I watched that, I'm like, he's coming back. There's no way he's not coming back. You never see him again. And because that's also the storyline where you've got, um, oh, the Canadian chick from Bones was in Quantum of Solace. She's in it for a couple oh, of yeah. episodes. Um. But yeah, so like that makes sense that they, I reckon, and we can see if we can, we won't remember this next season, but like that could be one of those moments where they're like, hey, cool, we'll bring him back. And, and maybe it literally got down to the point where Henry, because that would have been about the time I reckon he was cast and lost. So um, that's probably why yeah. we never saw Henry and Cusack again. And he plays like a that's, German uh, secret agent, basically. So yeah. Seems to be a common thing with actors on 24 that lost poaches. Um, <laughs> and then, oh, sorry, we never able to do anything with him. We'll give you Castle instead. Uh, but just completely off topic here before we get into the, the recap part of this. Um, I haven't listened to all of your guys' episodes of Lost, but are, you would you say the two most the two most popular characters, Hurley and Desmond, are those probably the two most likable characters yeah. on that show, or I, could you pick another one? I don't. I cannot think of us talking a bad word about Hurley 
Uh, we often talk about Jorge Garcia needing more love as an actor because he does a great job. And, I mean, was there ever a bad Desmond episode? I think there was maybe one I vaguely remember being not great. But, I mean, generally a Desmond episode is a great episode, isn't it? Um, Boone, obviously, would be the other completely loved character who uh, <laughs> Lovable. Ne- never has anything bad said against him. But, no, I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think that, um, yeah, I mean, Claire, clearly. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah, like, because, I mean, other characters Maybe. that I can think of. I mean, I guess Sawyer, but, like, I mean, the first time I watched Lost. That's I, a Han Solo-like thing. Though. Yeah, because I'm sure, I don't know about you, but, like, a lot of, I, I know when I first watched Lost, I hated Sawyer. Like, I could not stand yeah, Sawyer. But Sawyer, Sawyer is one that now you watch. And, like, I've never been a Jack hater i've always liked jack i've loved kate like i'd sort of i get why people maybe don't like them and there's definitely people who don't like kate they don't like jack but uh i mean Locke, maybe Locke's kind of yeah generally... but, but yeah, i would say like lock well but those are characters i feel like they're, they're great characters but as far as just likability yeah, like, no, you know, you're right. oh this is this is a character that like you got alan love, dale you know? Alan Dale. By the way, Neighbors, I told you that uh, Neighbors, they, I guess, are very slowly adding it onto Amazon Prime here in Canada because they had added like the like 2012 years season. To add 35 years, so you'll get there. Well, but like I saw the 2012 season the last time I talked to you, which I think was last week. And then a couple days later, they added the very first season. But it's like, it's not all the episodes. So it's like, we have episode one, then episode 32, and then episode 88. It takes a while to upload. Uh, I, Internet's slow between Australia and yeah. Canada. <laughs> But I mean, I've, Alan Dale's a huge. He's basically oh, the main guy in that what he was first in, that's, season. That's before he cracked America. He was like one of the big stars of Neighbors. So he was always. And I mean, Guy Pierce. I didn't realize he was on that early in the show. I'm, I'm watching Guy Pierce at the age of like 19 or something. Yeah, on the show. He's Crow, a bit of a douche. Russell Crowe. I look. I. I. I think I've said I've, I was never really a Neighbors guy. I was always a Home and Away guy. I only ever watched Neighbors when I was with Louise. Um, but like I knew enough. Like again, I mentioned. You know, one of the arguably the most famous moment in all of Australian television is the Kylie Minogue wedding episode of Neighbours. They did like a when TV turned like fifty, like twenty years ago, whatever it was, and they did the whole like fifty greatest moments in Australian television countdown. That if it wasn't number one, it was like you know in the top five. I'll, I'll find the list, but like it's the Charlene and um, uh, I can't remember. Jason Donovan's the actor. He's kind of a B grade celebrity now, but yeah, Kylie Minogue was always and there's always those lists of. And particularly when Neighbours got cancelled, it was like, who were the stars? Like, Russell Crowe started on on uh, Neighbours and um, so many other people. But, um, yeah, was that you mentioning that Neighbours and that? Oh, we're talking about Lost and other people. Um, and for those listeners who listened to our Lost one, and we'll, Noah and I talked about Last Light. Um, oh, I, I finally watched just all added of that on. Oh, I was going to ask because they just added that on Amazon this past week too. And I, I start, uh, I clicked on the first episode. Then I'm like, eh, I don't know if I wanted to get into look, this. Look, I, I talked to Noah about this the other day. He's only ever watched um, the first couple of like episodes. And he's like, eh. And like I said, like, watch it. We'll, we'll, I want to do a review of it eventually. But um, look, it's fine. It's like, it's... it's Manifest. It's, it's, uh, it's better than Manifest. But like, it's got a very weird plot. Basically, the plot is... That like the world is being like destroyed by like environmentalist terrorists because they're all like, no, you're killing the planet. And essentially, Matthew Fox's character is some sort of like oil person who creates a gene in oil that was meant to stop oil spills. I can't even remember the plot, but like basically, somehow some guy can weaponize these cells in oil to basically make the world come to a halt. 
because he wants to save the world because he likes the environment. It's strange. Matthew Fox swears a lot. Um, there's English people in it. Um, it's <laughs> like you're not missing out on it. It's, it's wasted. But Matthew Fox is about to be in an Australian comedy show with Sean Penn. True story. Sean Penn? Yeah. It was it was announced, as a, and we were talking about this on, uh, I think it was on 007, that basically there's a, Sean Penn is signed on to be in an Australian TV show. It's a comedy, and it's got Matthew Fox in it. So Wow. I, I mean, Sean, it's been a long time since he's in comedy, so <laughs> and you don't think of him as the funniest guy, but, I mean, that's how he started. I found here, so the 50 years young uh, moments of Australian television, although this apparently was only for the network Channel 10, which is where Neighbours aired. I thought this was... Uh, there's another one where it's on all of Australian television, but number one on Channel 10's 50 biggest moments in their first 50 years was Neighbours, Scott and Charlene's wedding, uh, which is Jason at... Um, and number two, the early bird show, Marty Monster gets savaged by a kangaroo. Uh, must have missed that one. Uh- <laughs> I mean, if, if I continue to watch Neighbours sometime in... 2123 I'm sure I'll be able to talk about that wedding episode. Well, I'm tell- all of their moments although like obviously they've included some American shows that must have been on Channel 10 because apparently uh they've got at number 7 Mash Radar announces to the 4077 that their much loved Lieutenant Colonel Henry Blake has been killed. Ah, oh, spoiler. That that's famous Australian moment right the there. The Simpsons baby <laughs> Maggie shoots Mr. Burns in a spoof of yeah, massive moment. Oh, they don't even have the, the, the Australian episode of The Simpsons on there. That should count. Uh, we, we don't like that in Australia, apparently. <laughs> um, so getting into the recap here, this is where you get on. Twi- tw- 28 minutes in, we haven't even talked about network. the episode. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, first, first thing, trivia bit here. I don't know if we talked about this at the end of the last episode. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention to you. But uh, Marwan was supposed to have died uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the previous episode. So when Jack... You know, has him there and, uh, you know, uh, where, tell me where the bomb is and you'll never stop it. When he shoots him, he was supposed to have killed him. So they actually did the first draft of this uh, this week's episode with Marwan being dead. And it was all about searching for a cell phone. And then they, they were struck. They basically were struggling to get this to be interesting. So they went to, of course, this is before they even filmed the previous episode. They went to, you know. Cochrane or Cernow or who who knows who they went to and said, listen, we really don't think you should kill Marwan because it, it, it's tying our hands. We can't build tension out of let's look for Marwan's cell phone. So they said, okay, fine, we'll keep Marwan alive. I mean, that's the only reason he's alive is because they struggled to write this episode. And look, that makes sense because I think a big complaint of the finale is the ending with Marwan. It just feels so like tacked on and cheap and like some really cheesy 80s action movie. And that kind of makes sense. And in a weird way, knowing that, I kind of wish they did kill Marwan off because I think they could have, like, make Mandy like the sort of the ending with yeah. it. I think, switch, like, again, I'm jumping ahead here, but an issue with the finale is it's so disjointed. You kind of have this ending with Marwan and then it switches purely into the China storyline. I think you've missed the beat there. I think you kill Marwan off and you make it all about China at the end, which is kind yeah. of where you've missed out. So, yeah, I didn't know that. Um, but I kind of think they missed uh, missed something there. All right, so let's uh, let's get through this here, Logan. Let's start with the Logan stuff. Yeah, this is. I'm uh, not a fan of this. Oh, you're not. See, I am. I I think this is great. I love this Logan storyline. I mean, uh, first, just the the back and forth that we get between 
um, the the first scene between Logan and Palmer and Mike, where the camera's like going in circles and it's cutting back and forth, and just their energy is like very fast paced. Um, I really love all three of these actors together. Uh, and the question about evacuating comes up here, and it, with Logan saying is like, "We really should evacuate," and Palmer is basically like, "Now is not the time." Like the logic they use to explain it later makes sense, but it's just the arrogance of Palmer being like, "Nah, <laughs> I don't think so." Uh, I, I think we got more important things to do here. Uh, it's it's just totally tying into this, uh, like, is Palmer trying to sabotage us? But this storyline we get with, like, the Speaker of the House, now, and now they bring them in. <laughs> like, you really do wonder. They, they bring up a good point. So, like, we should have been here from the, the moment this happened. And they're basically addressing a lot of the issues that we've said in previous episodes. So they're not really addressing it in a way where it's ever explained properly. But still, I, I like this drama, and this again was something where um, they had written completely different drama for the whole Logan Palmer episode of the week, and they were struggling to make it work, so they went to the writer's room and said, what else can we do that will give us something for Logan to do? And they said, well, gee, they really should have involved the, the cabinet and the Speaker of the House and everything. I said, perfect, let's bring that in. Basically, what we get is th this guy, Ashton, who's the Speaker of the House, that he is uh, kind of questioning Logan, and um, the, the the way that they play this, though, again, they don't make it like, oh, he's trying to take over the presidency, even though they bring that up. It's like he's the next in line. But the way that they address it, where they're like, you know, he would be acting the same way. He believes that this is in the public's best interests, you know. Uh, so they're not trying to say like, oh, this is just an evil guy trying to take over. But it's the way that the scene plays out where they're like, OK, well, why does why do I why is David Palm over there? And they're even saying he's the opposition. Like, this is not somebody who should be in here. When Palmer gets brought into the meeting and you just have him basically saying, no, 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 I think that uh, I think that I got a handle on this. And then Ashton standing up to Palmer and then Logan basically standing up to Palmer. It's like, excuse me, Mr. President, that is entitled only. You don't have any acting authority. It's like, maybe I should remove myself from this issue. Well, maybe you should then. <laughs> and, and of course, it plays out like guys playing, like, oh, we're, we're putting on a play. Uh, but then when you get that moment where Mike's like, uh, it's like, that couldn't have gone more according to plan. I agree. And you realize they just staged this whole thing. You know, it, it seems a little bit like cheesy, but it still makes total sense. And and what I find most interesting about this is kind of like the, the whole thing with uh, Palmer uh, in the last couple episodes where it's like, where does Logan learn what he's going to do in future seasons? And I'm seeing that in this too, because Logan, the only time where he does come across as confident and presidential is here where he's literally acting. And we won't get into too many spoilers, but he's going to do a lot of acting next season based on the story. And so I, I like now, even though you don't know that they're going to go there later on, connecting the dots and thinking, hey, we're starting to see some future Logan emerge here. I mean, that's a good point. But I mean, it ties into my issues with next season about, you know, knowing the twist with him and then watching that first half of the season, knowing it. And it like I have so many issues around that. And I think they just change his character so quickly and it doesn't really make sense. And well, what's the time jump from this season to the next? Uh, 18 months, maybe a year, 18 months. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a huge gap. Might, I don't know if it's the shortest between seasons. Uh, I'll double check. But um, I think that you say this is cheesy. This is just cheesy to me. And it's, it's, it's got no purpose because this doesn't go anywhere. You've just got this speaker of the house in one season and uh, one episode, and then he goes away and that's it. And like, it's just, it's, what is this for? Just to show that 
oh, Logan's got some balls, let's put on a show. Like, if anything, like, it brings more questions about, like, you know, well, why, yeah, why wasn't this guy brought in? You know, it just, it really, 18 months after season five is 18 months after season four. Um, like, it just, yeah, it just, it's pointless. You bring him in for one episode because there's so many things that we've questioned this. Like, where is this person? Where is this person? So they get brought in now at what, like 4 a.m. for one hour. Again, why is this guy, why is the Speaker of the House so calm that the former president from the opposition party, again, if Joe Biden has got freaking Donald Trump sitting in the West Wing and, you know, Nancy Pelosi walks in, oh, oh, oh Donald's in. What's he doing here? Like, no, like there's got to be <laughs> shit hitting the fan. Like this guy should be like, where's the freaking 43 Amendment or the 25th Amendment, like not fit for duty, all this kind of stuff. Like it just, it just, it just comes out of nowhere. It's like, cool. And let's just. I like the stuff at the beginning when you sort of got the back and forth. I agree. Like that stuff's good, but it's just like, you, this does scream of a, Oh, what are we going to do with Palmer and Logan this week? So like, Oh, let's kind of just have this cock fight of like, mm. and then even like, it's cheesy when you've got freaking old Ashton Kutcher here. Like when he's all like, I think we should fly helicopters over the city. And Palmer's like, no, I'm the former. No, that's president only and title only. I agree with the speaker. And you kind of got that smuggle next. Like, Mm, yeah, listen to the white man. Um, and like kicks him out. And then he's kind of like, now what were you saying, Ashton, about flying helicopters over the city? Like, it's just, I don't know. And it's just, is this, I don't know if it's this week or next week when you've kind of got this like weird storyline where it's like, hey, Audrey, so if all the cities are going to be blown up, the 20 of the biggest cities in all of America, I want you to get casualty estimates and emergency <laughs> situations for me in less than an hour. And she's like, I will get right onto that, sir. Like things like that, which just, Again, TV shows got a TV show. This is not going to be completely realistic, but like some things like that are just silly. And this is just silly. I just don't think, again, a nuclear bomb is less than three hours from destroying one of the 20 biggest cities in all of North America. And they're having cockfights over a table about a bit of a power struggle. Like, no, this is panic stations right now. No, but but I think there's more to it than just the, the power struggle here because what they're saying is, okay, this thing will arrive within two, three hours or whatever that's basically enough time to hit either coast. And then they're like, okay, so it's definitely going to hit Los Angeles or Washington or New York. And it's like, well, but it might not. Like, we don't know for sure that they're going to do that. So the, the whole evacuate, the way that they explain the evacuation thing, it's explained better in this scene too. It's like, well, you're going to have a mass exodus and you know, it's, it's just going to cause problems for everybody. And think about everything they've gone through, you know, and what are you going to do by getting these people out with two hours to go? They're not going to get far enough away. Like, so I feel like what they do in this episode is they explain away a lot of the plot holes that we've been picking apart, but I will agree with you that it, it maybe came an episode too late or not even necessarily an episode too late, but if you had introduced this last week or extended it one week further, I think it makes for better storytelling because then it doesn't just feel like, oh, this is a one-off thing. Oh, so we've got about those plot holes. Let's try to explain them away. Uh, let's give them something to do for this week. Stretch it out for another week or maybe start it one week earlier. I don't know. It just, yeah, it just, it's just the fact that it's literally a one episode. Cool. Like if you're going to bring, I don't know, there's something about it. Um, the, the, the 20 biggest cities in the, I think we've, we did this in an episode before, but I'm just looking here. So they're like, oh, it's definitely going to be New York or Washington, Washington, DC. I get it. It's the capital. So, you know, a bit of a high value target, but it's only the 21st most popular city in the U S by the way. So, uh, you know, other cities here that are never mentioned, uh, Fort Worth, Texas, Columbus, uh, Nashville, Columbus, <laughs> Columbus, Austin, um, San Diego, uh, Phoenix, uh, Phoenix is the fifth most populated city in all of the U.S. There you go. But wow. you didn't know that. 
Um, and why is Chicago never? Chicago's the third most popular city in the like, No one ever threatens Chicago. Like, poor Chicago. Threaten Chicago more. Nobody would notice if you took out Chicago. I would. I like Chicago. <laughs> what are the Blackhawks doing now? Nothing. <laughs> Best pizza I've ever had in my life. Great city. Um, yeah, so anyways, that's the Logan Palmer stuff. Uh, the, I guess the, the Jack stuff's going to connect with CTU a bit, but I guess some of the non-CTU stuff. Uh, this is the most unintentionally funny part of the episode because we've talked a lot about the uh, uh, let's fill people in on what happened in real time 10 seconds ago. <laughs> uh, this goes back a little bit further than that, but when Edgar's like, you will never believe the phone number that came up on Mar one cell phone, Richard Heller. That's right. Secretary of Defense <laughs> Heller's son. <laughs> Actual line of dialogue. That's right. Secretary of Defense Heller's son. Which, how, uh, like, again, how do they quickly, like, get this straight away? And, like, again, typical 24, like, hmm, he must be evil. Let's go arrest him and drag him in here straight away. Like, where's due process? Where's, like, other things? Like, I mean, what if all of a sudden they go through these things? Hmm, that's interesting. Speaker of the House, Ashton Kutcher has appeared on this thing. Like, I mean, automatically must be. We talked about this. Like, what if my phone number accidentally appears on a summer mid I've never met the guy in my life. Or have I? <laughs> but like, like, I mean, like, you know, I'm sure mistakes are made. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's at least something for them to explore. And I think because there was the, the this is why bringing Richard Mix sense. And I completely forgot that Richard did come back or that they had anything to do with them. Uh, but it does connect well even though like you said this wasn't the plan from the beginning um but uh yeah how many other numbers on there have we how did they know that they were going to find richard heller's number yeah. you know I, I would think that if this is marwan's plot because really that's what this is this is just a plot we're going to basically steal his phone so we can make a call so that there's throw some suspicion in case we ever get caught i would think you'd want to cover your bases and maybe call about six or seven people you know Call Jack's number. Call Kim's number. You know, call the Cougar. Like, call anybody. <laughs> call anybody. So in case they happen to miss Richard Heller's number or Richard Heller is dead at this point from torture, you have a fallback. Because, it, like, it comes up with all the names, right? So, like, they're just gone. And, like, is Richard Heller, like, I'm sure there are other Richard Hellers. Like, I know there's another Ben Waterworth who's more famous than I am. The amount of fucking, if I get one more fucking person message me going, like, oh, did you know there's another Ben Waterworth? Then we guess I fucking do. All right? And he's more successful than I am. I'm not bitter about it. <laughs> But like, I like, there's probably more than one Richard Heller in the Greater Los Angeles district of California. So like, automatically, Richard Heller, like, he's probably gone like, dude, I've, that's not my phone number. So then there's, I mean, then there's probably like Johnny Foulmouth, who's like the Dunkin' Donuts manager or something. Like, why isn't he being dragged in at three a.m.? Like, I mean, it's again, plot's got a plot, story's got a story, but it's just, it's just fascinating well, how quickly they can be to like, that's Richard Heller, Secretary of Defense's son. I mean, I'm guessing when they had him in for interrogation slash torture earlier on, they said, listen, we want you to give us your cell phone in case we need to contact you about anything further. So they're going to have that. Or at the very least, they, they're calling Secretary of Defense Heller. Hey, Secretary of Defense Heller, this is about your son. Uh, is his phone number, you know, 333? This is where, like, the, the, what I was saying before about how it doesn't, if you pick apart this storyline, as much as I like it, it doesn't really make sense. So the overall plot of this is, is that... Richard had a threesome with Mandy and this Greg Sestro lookalike. I literally thought it was Greg. Like, I thought, oh, hi, Mark. Oh, there he is. Um, but so, like, they then have the threesome so that they can use his phone to make a phone call to find out when the secretary will be away 
to kidnap him. Okay, that kind of makes sense. But then what's Mandy got to do with Marwan that's never explained? Because I know she's kind of almost like a Nina, like she's obviously just like a person mm-hmm. for hire. Hired gun. But when Mandy rings Marwan, whether it's this week or next week, and it's kind of like, oh, hey, I'll meet you soon, it's never really explained why. And it's kind of like, again, I get it. She's a bit of a she'll do what she can for money type. But like, shouldn't there be like a line of dialogue where she's like, okay, I've done this for you. I've done this for you. You know, I don't know. Like that's where like I'm maybe reading too much into it. And I'm sure if Duppy came on, like, Ben, you're so dumb, which I am. <laughs> um, but my name's not Duppy Demetrius. That's a dumb name. So it's <laughs> a please, great name. Please I come I on the show. Uh, so basically Chloe goes to, so this is, this is what totally fits the Chloe Edgar dynamic. Edgar does the work and Chloe's like, all right, I'll go take credit. <laughs> Let me go tell Tony and Bill. Uh, they have this meeting, and uh, of course, the conversation comes up. So does Audrey know about this? Well, that's really more of a management conversation, <laughs> don't you think? So what does Tony do? Uh, so, hey, Audrey, bring in your brother in. <laughs> and then we get straight to a conversation with Michelle. Hmm, somebody should probably tell Audrey about Richard. Tony, yeah, so about that, I wasn't supposed <laughs> to say anything, but I already did, so she already knows. This feels like you're stretching the episode out at this point. It's like, don't tell Audrey. All right. Hey, Audrey, guess what's going on? Hey, somebody should tell Audrey. Oh, I already did. Like, kind of going in circles here. Um, Now, they have the other conversation here with um, Michelle and Tony. And this is, again, one of these where it's like, sometimes I'm I'm (laughs) not quite sure how obvious you need to be. But this one is like, wow, could you be spelling out what the point of your storyline is anymore? Where it's like, you know what? It's crazy. Think about where these two were, you know, a couple of hours ago. And now look at them. It's like, yes. But yet every decision Jack has made has been the right one, but not if he wants to be with her. Mm. (laughs) Like it's, it's not good. But having said that, you know, these parallels and what it's going to lead to with the next scene between them, which is an amazing scene uh, where Tony basically pitches to Michelle, listen, why don't we just leave CTU? You know, uh, and she basically asks, well, what will we do? This is, we'll lose our jobs. What will we do? Watch soccer, <laughs> clean up <about> the dogs. <laughs> Which I love that Michelle's like, this is all I've ever done. So little 16-year-old Michelle, when yeah. she was earning to get money for beer, didn't go work at the local Pizza Hut. She was like trolling numbers at a local government agency, was she? I mean, not to mention, there are other government jobs you are very qualified for now that will not require you having to deal with terrorists and DMV? being kidnapped and stuff like that. The DMV, yeah. They're, they're very qualified for other things. IRS? But, but still, that, that first scene, which is bad, leads into this scene, which is okay, leads into the next scene uh, where she basically stops him right before he leaves and agrees to go with him. The way that she breaks down in this scene, like little things actors do where she's been very composed and she suddenly just, she breaks down a realistic way where she's like, she's like sobbing uncontrollably, but unable to breathe and unable to get her words out where it's so believable. She's like, I can't live another day without you. Like, again, it's cheesy, but it works so all dramatically because of the way Tony's like, right back at you, babe. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just so cool. <laughs> and it's funny because on the commentary, Duppy and Matter is talking about, that they wrote this, like they said, at one point they actually had him saying, I know, in the line here, because they wanted to play it like Han Solo. They they wanted this to be Princess Leia and Han Solo and Empire Strikes Back, where he's just like, I know. And they actually at one point had written the line, I know. Uh, but uh, it's still, it's so Tony. <laughs> and it, it's such a great moment with Michelle. And 
one thing that's interesting when we get to season five uh, is that the way they talk about this in the commentary was that this was supposed to be Tony Swanson. And they, they were in the process of writing Tony and Michelle out. And obviously the story takes a little bit of a different direction when you go into the next season, but this was meant to be, we're going to give two characters a happy ending here, but there's a little bit more drama that's still to come with this. So uh, um, still, I, I love what they do in these three scenes between Tony and Michelle. Even if the first one is really bad, it still perfectly leads into the next two. I agree. And I think, you know, some of the cheesy stuff has, has led to this because we kind of get some two two real gold episodes with these two. But like the one thing, it's not a complaint, but I think the only issue I have with this scene of them making out, they're, they're just trying to do what they did in season two and you never recreate. I know you weren't as high on that scene with the crutches and the fucking in the hallway scene, which I don't think. I think re- this one's better. I don't. I don't at all. I think that the first kiss between these two will always be up there. And I think from memory to make our top five, and I'm still pissed off about that. Um, but no, I think they're just, they're just trying to recreate this too much. Um, but I will, and again, I'm sort of jumping sidewards in ahead at the same time. You talk about like obvious dialogue to set things up like, Oh, that is Richard Heller, the son of the secretary of defense played by TV's James Heller. Um, the one that to me screams even more of that, which kind of gets Tony into this situation is like when they're like, all right, go rabble, rabble, rabble. We're going to go get these people in the apartment. And Jack's like, all right, Curtis, let's go. And Bill's like, no, Jack, Curtis has to stay back. For what reason? Because you should really say you want to take Tony with you to cause conflict with you and Michelle. Hmm. Well, I must take Tony then. Well, you can. Like, Tony's yeah. done nothing all season except, like, come back and punch numbers. And now Curtis is too busy to go, which can I just say, next week, he's not busy because he gets sent five he's minutes later. He's not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. They've got no people next week. They're calling the LAPD. Um, yeah. But again, like, I just, I, that obvious, like, nature of let's put Tony in danger. Because, um, I mean, I just want Michelle banging Curtis on the side. Curtis, <laughs> I am having an affair with a married woman. <laughs> Like, there's no reason why you couldn't have had Tony and Curtis go, too. Yeah. I mean, this is all hands on deck. Right. I Tony? know I need Curtis here. Uh, I mean, maybe they still had more questioning they needed to get out of Richard Heller. I don't know. that Curtis is his guy. <laughs> uh, he, this is your agent. You know, he will take care of you. I don't know. Um, yeah. They, now, the Jack stuff. Uh, first of all, the start of the episode, another funny thing. One, probably the worst example of let's recap what happened is where Tony is uh, uh, on the phone with Jack at the beginning of the episode. And it's like, uh, Tony, it's Jack. Do you have a lock on the missile? And I, I, I want like Tony to be like, we were literally on the phone five <laughs> seconds ago, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is Kiefer's memory. <laughs> they, they shot this back to back. Um, there's a lot of talk about like the the how they got this missile, and this is something that still I don't know if it's just me that I'm finding this not to be like the highest stakes. Like I kind of criticized last week. It's like, oh, they've got a missile now. <gasps> like, dun, dun, dun. Like, okay, well, they had a bomb before. I mean, is that much of a stretch? They have a missile and they're talking about uh, they have to smuggle it in piece by piece. I just, I don't feel like this is that far-fetched enough where it should be everybody so shocked. They've got a missile. What are we going to do? Um, if they they have to have a way to explain it, can get to each coast. I mean, you're going to detonate it one way or the other. Like, what difference does it make if they have a missile? I mean, it could just be me. Um, but yeah, they do mention it could be within three hours. It could hit either coast. That'll take us right up to the end of the season. Okay, check. Which, uh, which I do. suspense. But again, it's just the the logic of like 24 world, how some information is just ready in two seconds. Because as you said, like five minutes ago, I was just on the phone to you. I told you this five minutes ago. What the hell are you talking about? 
So at the end of the episode of five minutes, they've gotten all this data up on the screen. These are the things that go. And then I love Tony's like, Tony's just Mr. Smart. This is a class seven B7 type missile manufactured in East Taiwan in 1972. Like he just, he's reeling off all the freaking information. Made by Mattel. <laughs> Although one of the funniest lines is, I think is, this is, I think when Audrey's like going like, yes, we're trying to track it, but uh, the satellites, we can't pick it up. The satellites oh, are too noisy. Noisy, yeah. <laughs> what? Like, this is a, a, an organization that could establish a terrorist from a shoulder off a red light camera last season, but now it's too noisy? Like, what? <laughs> what does yeah, that I, even no, mean? Actually, Give me noisy command. It's actually very convenient. I watched this episode and then yesterday I had to do a uh, a course through work, which was about noisy satellites. Uh, <laughs> well, sort of it, it, it kind of involved like, you know, signal disruption and, you know, noise interference and stuff like that. So it gave me a little bit more of a idea of it. But still, it's like the satellites are noisy. Like, OK, what does that mean? Like, it down. doesn't mean anything. Mute. I mean, even even having done that course yesterday, I'm like, I still don't get why this is a big deal. Yeah. Like, oh, somebody turned the volume. Like Casper plays his tablet and sometimes he'll have the volume all the way up. Like Casper, turn it down too loud. Kiefer uh, Sutherland can have a phone conversation with Audrey, Audrey in a helicopter. Yeah. And they hear each other perfectly fine. But a satellite is too noisy. Oh, you you, you want to get even more ridiculous Jack has a conversation with Tony in the helicopter. You can barely hear Carlos Bernard in a quiet room <laughs> that's insulated, and you're going to hear this guy in a helicopter? Like, seriously? We talked about Sean Callery on that commentary said that he always hated when they were doing action sequence and Carlos Bernard was in it because he's yeah. like, I can't score anything loud over Carlos Bernard. They always tell me he's too quiet. Can I just also point out, because I don't know if this is really a massive plot point to talk about, but I do love Kiefer having a D&M with Audrey on the phone in the helicopter. It's like, da, 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 action Kiefer. It's like, Audrey, please, just at the end of the day, can we talk with each other? And you got like his number two in command. It's like, Jack, we've got shit to do, yeah, mate. We're going exactly. to stop a nuclear bomb. Oh, I've got to go, Audrey. Can I talk about my feelings <laughs> later? Like I mean, come on! Imagine yeah. James well, I've, Bond I've, I've, doing that. I've, I've got some, I've got some good things to say in that scene, but I'll I get like, there no, I like the scene. Don't get me wrong, but I just yeah. think it's just like take it out of context. It's like, look, you got a CD as a tablet. Jack, come on, nuclear bomb, hurry up! Now we have the uh, the Jack and Marwan conversation here with, which you know, oh, I like Marwan. That. I mean, he really is one of the lesser villains, or at least less memorable ones. But I'm gonna say, I think that Jack and Marwan scenes together are better than any scenes that Jack has with any of the villains prior to this. Like, I'm going to say Saunders a better villain overall, but Jack's scenes with Marwan are incredible. Like the, the dialogue, the performance, yeah. everything, the way that they, the way they stage them, like it's always like a showdown, you know? And this one where they, they have the lines about death and destructions are a means to an end. Why don't we just skip to the end? Um, Jack basically pitching to Marwan, you're in a position where you can make any deal you want. And of course he knows better. He knows this isn't a guy who's going to be like, all right, I want immunity. He basically says you can get a face to face with the president and you can say whatever you want. You can ask for whatever you want. You want, you know, power for your people. This is how you get it. Uh, it's something that they've never quite done on the show before. Like we've pitched, okay, we'll give you a deal. We'll give you, uh, I don't know, a million dollars and a naked picture of B. Arthur. Uh, but now it's like, <laughs> we're going <laughs> to airheads. Is remember it, that movie? <laughs> I, 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 uh, I do vaguely remember it, but I'm just thinking, <laughs> I, I, I know where my demands need to go from. Um, Oh, naked picture of Helen Mirren. <laughs> That's the equivalent, right? Kiefer uh, Sutherland. But, uh, oh, Kiefer. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, instead, this is something we haven't really explored on the show before. Like you are in a political situation. You have political 
ideas and political ambitions and and you want to get your message out there, I will get you in front of the president. You ask him for whatever you want. You want him to pull out of the Middle East. You want him to turn all the oil fields over, whatever. You do it. And he's basically like, no. And, and I love the way they even say, like, uh, you only see things one – or you only see us as one-dimensional evil. And Jack's like, that's exactly the way you see us. You know, like, it, it's yeah. – it's such a great scene between them. Like this episode has so many great dialogue scenes between characters. Um, and of course, when Jack finds out that Richard's there, it's like, I want to question myself. <laughs> of course you do, Jack. <laughs> yeah, he's killed, um, killed, killed Audrey's husband, getting ready to torture <laughs> his brother. I, I agree with you. Like it's a great dialogue and I love that evil line. I love the conversation. Um, and I like, I, I love that. I, I don't like this escape because again, it's just like, oh, let's oh, plot. Got a happens. plot. But I don't know if I'd agree with you because I think the Jack and Dre's and stuff in season one was pretty epic. And I think the Jack and Saunders stuff was pretty epic. So, but I, I don't, think I just the, think, I think this is so different from what we got. Maybe that's it. I think I will. Yeah. I think the Jack and Logan scene we get in the finale next season is pretty goddamn epic. Well, up until this point, but like, but no, I, I yeah, I obviously haven't seen that bit, but I'm just thinking like moving forward. We don't really have anything that will get better after besides Logan. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's in the conversation. I just don't know if I would agree. Um, Jack, again, has another phone conversation after Marwan escapes, or basically they're hit with an RPG, and then there's a shootout, and Marwan's gone. Why does nobody ever, sorry to interrupt again, but why does nobody ever, like, relieve Jack of his command? How many times has he lost this guy? He's pretty on poor form this season. Like, if this was yeah. fucking Tony, gets sent to jail for treason and all this kind of stuff. Like, I mean, Jack's just got, you know, bulletproof armor when it comes to life. Well, and this is also where you start to see maybe some conflicts of interest in one episode to the next when it comes to the writers. Because, like I said, they, they said in the, the commentary for this that the, the Marwan's supposed to be killed. And then they basically said, we really don't want you to kill Marwan because we're struggling with our episode. So then the previous writers, I don't remember who wrote last week, were, were like, okay, we're gonna now we're going to write it where Marwan's alive. now, But he has to be captured because we still need that showdown. All right, but it doesn't really work for our storyline that he's captured, so he's going to get away. And then the way that they have to explain away, it's like, well, you know, they changed cars in a tunnel and the satellites were noisy, <laughs> so Marwan got away. But the thing is, we've had so many things this season where it's like, we have to stay on this. I mean, you know, Jack, I, I need to stand. He's like, all right, sorry, we lost Marwan. But you know what? Richard Heller, pretty good lead, I guess. Um, Like, this is where they're like, no, I am going to search every outhouse, farmhouse, doghouse, or whatever we get the fugitive <laughs> speech here. In this in, in this entire city until I find Marwan, but he says like, I'm questioning Richard Heller. Like I just don't buy that they're gonna drop Marwan this quickly. But I think this is a result of we wanted to kill the character, but then we said not to kill the character, but we had to capture him. But now we don't want him captured. That's a solid point. I didn't think about it that way because yeah, like Jack, like Jack, just no consistency there. Like literally, again, this just goes to show that you have a nuclear. This is more desperate than season two, and we talk, we complained about sometimes how they didn't seem that desperate. Season two, it was like, oh, this is going to go off today. This is, we know we've got less than three hours before. This isn't just a cruise missile is going to destroy a skyscraper. It's a nuclear freaking bomb. Like, I mean, yeah. I just read Thunderbolt. It could go anywhere. It's not even like, oh, it's going to be in Los Angeles like season two. This could be anywhere. It could be bombing Winnipeg. They don't care about Canada. Yeah. <laughs> like, what if Marlon is you know, like, hmm, yes, you think I'm going to... What if he bombed, like, Mexico City? Like, I mean... But you know what I just thought of? Like, one thing they don't even explore in here is like, oh, it could be on the East Coast or the West Coast. One thing they should be asking is like, he could be sending this thing to China. Like, we've been set up at this point. I mean, what's going to be worse than if they bomb a city in North America? You bomb China and now you have a war. That would have been a massive twist to connect in with the China stuff. 
Yeah. Like, and then blame it on the US. That's a, that's a mm-hmm. good point. But um, yeah, you're right. Like, it's like, oh, my mom just came. Oh, well, I better go talk to someone. Like, I mean, it's kind of like, dude, you let this guy go. Like, and again, this is a show where they can find people in this amount of time, this amount of time. Again, he's like early in the season when you had, you were tracking the terrorist guy after you robbed the liquor store. Well, he's in this type of vehicle. He can only have driven this amount of speed in this amount of time. So this is the vicinity that he will be in. Jack's just gone, ah, oh, satellites are too noisy. I'm going to go torture son. Shouldn't he be like, well, he's in a, because he steals a CTU car. Isn't there tracking well, devices in CTU car? They, oh, they I think the they tunnel. say they switch vehicles and they couldn't see where he was when they switched. Didn't yeah. Chloe, but when they, but this is again, they switched vehicles earlier they did on that with Beirut's. with that and then they got the red light camera and then they superimposed on the number plate chloe found that like yeah. what's chloe doing like lazy going to how Sydney. many cars are really on the road at 4 30 a.m right now we're picking apart all the plot holes here but um yeah sorry yeah kind of say quickly uh, on a tangent but we'll get back to it i found another list of australia's 20 greatest tv moments on the great tv show 20 to 1 which i used to love that show uh so the wedding of scott and charlene was number two this is obviously TV moments from around the world. This isn't just Australian TV moments. So number one was Who Shot JR? Uh, number three, Michael J. Fox says goodbye to Spin City. Uh, Ooh, also cool. on this list, though, at number 13, Survivor Susan Hawke. Let's fly after a naked Richard Hatch rubs against her. So they didn't even go with the rats and snakes. They went with rubbing up in All Stars? That's not even the right one to go for. Wow. I'm just admit, I really got to see this wedding if that's up there with like who shot JR is the second oh, greatest I'm, moment in television history. I'm telling you, like, even as somebody who I think this was, I think it was in like the year after I was born, I think it was like 1988. And even the song that they played, which might have been a Jason Donovan song, like it, it, like it was this, you have no idea how big this was in Australia in like the late 80s. This was. It better the, be like who shot Kylie Minogue. Like, I hope that's, <laughs> there's a twist to it and it's not just, it's a wedding. Hooray. It's seriously, it's like, that's when they came back together in the finale because uh, obviously Scott and Charlene are still together in Neighbours Land. Um, so, like, that was the whole thing. But no, God, they, and um, Kylie, have you ever heard of the song, Especially for You by Kylie Minogue? It's a duet no. with Jason Donovan. So there you go. All right. Uh, I'll, I can't wait to get to that episode. Um, it's in the anyway, National so- Film and Sound Archive of Australia. It is that prominent. I don't know if there's a Canadian moment like that in Canadian TV. Oh, like Degrassi, we had that, like, the- Drake in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that might be up there. It's um, literally but- there is. Oh, it's a, there's a there's an indie rock band in because I was literally saying it's such a big deal that there's an article on Wikipedia. But Scott and Charlene's wedding are an Australian indie rock band uh, named after the wedding between Scott and Charlene on Neighbours. That was in 1987, the year I was born. So there you go. You know. You just mentioned the 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 school episode, the 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 Drake gets in a wheelchair moment, and it made me realize I, I never connected these dots before. But Glee ripped that off. Uh, Glee did like a school oh, yeah. shooting episode, basically exactly the same as Degrassi. Like, come on, shame on you, Glee ripping off Degrassi. Uh, Canadians did it first. There we go. Uh, anyways, back to Jack Bauer here. Uh, so well, back to Richard Heller. Jack has said about two or three times, "I want to interrogate him myself." And then Richard comes in literally kicking and screaming, oh, you guys are going to jail. This is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, which, I mean, I, again, I, I sort of have mixed feelings on Richard, but like, I really do appreciate how good Logan Marshall Green is at this character that, yeah. that even at this moment, I still like somebody punched this kid in the face. <laughs> like, I feel bad for him, but still I can't stand him. Like he's very good at this. And it, it's, 
it's something that not a lot of actors would be daring enough to be blubbering like this and, and screaming and being this obnoxious. But uh, trivia fact, um, he had uh, Logan Marshall Green had shaved his head at this point. So uh, he's wearing a wig in this episode, a pretty convincing wig because uh, I couldn't yeah, have told didn't the know difference. That. Um, I, I do love earlier before they bring him in. It says, where is he right now? Probably at home sleeping. Um, now, I'm going to question that because I feel like if I was tortured and my father and sister were kidnapped and then Air Force One went down, I don't think anybody is sleeping, let alone a guy who was tortured earlier today. Well, no I'm one pretty is, sure he's still awake. No one is. I mean, Mandy and Greg Sestro are up, and then next week their neighbors are just chilling like, oh, 5 a.m., sure, I'm up. Like, I yeah. mean, this is everyone's it, it awake. Makes, it makes sense with the events that are going on today. I mean, this is like 9-11. When 9-11 happened here, I think it was like 7 in the morning or something like that, or 6 in the morning, you know, I guarantee even people who are on night shifts were oh, up at that point. I'm going to stay up. And, and it happened yeah, sort of. There you go. Life. Yeah. Middle of the night. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he was not at home sleeping, but still him coming in. And after all that talk with Jack, I'm going to be the one to interrogate him. I'm going to be the one to interrogate him. This is weird. Where Audrey's like, Jack, I want to be the one to interrogate him. <laughs> uh, and then it ends up being Heller coming in. It's like, I think I want to be the one to Everybody just wants a piece of poor Richard Heller here. Hey, it comes um, in. You kill yeah. my mother. <laughs> exactly, my mother. <laughs> um, but uh, still, the Audrey scene with him is good. I, I love the whole good cop, bad cop routine. Like Jack's basically on the outside, and she just uses the fear of Jack on him, where he's he like, doesn't. no, I didn't do anything wrong. And it's like, there is a man out there who will get this information one way or the other. Now you tell me. And, yeah, and, and then when Heller's like, Tag, you're it. <laughs> He's in. Uh, and this is where he tells the story about, all right, there was something that happened. There was a guy and a girl, and we went back to my place, and you know, we were in bed, and one of them went out. One of them went out to use the phone. All right, so the guy went out to use the phone. Well, you banged his girlfriend. No, it wasn't her. It was him. Dun, dun, dun. And that's when you get, like, Heller just looking at him. And then Audrey actually hangs her head in shame. Oh, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i mean i i love his line though where he's like oh i'm sorry that now i have to tell you something that makes you even more disgusted with me and he, he even says like, i don't care it's like you should have told me and I, I i sort of was wondering i'm like is this something where richard heller could have made they've done just enough with this storyline where it's like you get why maybe richard wouldn't have thought anything of this but at the same time when he's being tortured earlier and they're saying tell us anything you know i feel like he would be like two people i never met before randomly came to me why did they suddenly want to meet me i think that it, it's enough to look at it from both sides where i get why they're saying you should have told us this of all th today when everything was happening tell us tell us what you ate for breakfast but i also get why richard would be like i wouldn't have connected the dots no and i but i i'm more on the i like i get why he wouldn't because it's not really until they bring up the fact that there was a phone call that's when he goes oh right okay like like, I mean, I'm not just saying this to brag because you're a virgin, but like, <laughs> like if I have brought a girl home and like, I'm being interrogated, like, oh, like it's not going through my mind. Like, fuck, they think I'm a terrorist. Oh God. I had a, I had a one night stand three weeks ago. Maybe that means I'm a terrorist. Like that. As soon as they say like, oh, somebody used your phone. I'm like, wait, did that girl use my phone? Like, then you're like, wait, she did. Yeah. Huh. Like but, that's when it would click. But no, but like at the same time, this isn't just they question him earlier. First, I believe if they were just questioning him and they're saying your father and your sister have been kidnapped and we think that there's a connection with you, 
not saying you did it, but there's a connection with you. Even if he's just being questioned, I feel like he'd be like, all right, I'll tell you everything I've done in the last three weeks. This is what I had for breakfast. This is where I went to the bathroom. But the fact that they tortured him, again, they're getting every piece of information out of him. Uh, this came down to the fact that he didn't want to say it because he was gay or whatever. But again, I see if I see why he wouldn't have connected the dots. I see why he wouldn't have said it, maybe because he felt ashamed. But I also get why they'd be like, this is something you should have told us 12 hours ago. Yeah, yes and no. Like, again, I see what you're saying, but I'm more on the other side of it because, like, I think also what works with the character is that he's very dismissive. Like, I'm going to go protest about you invading Iraq and things like that. So, like, again, like, I don't, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, but I also am more on the side of, well, what relevance does that have? Like, sure, you know, I, if, I fucked if, two if people the other week. Like, uh, you know. If you're suspected of, I don't know, having a phone call with Osama bin Laden, and they come to you tomorrow and they're questioning you say, we want to know everything you've done in the last few weeks because we are following every lead. You're going to say, all right, I recorded with Colin on Tuesday and we did 24 in the morning. Co- Colin. And then some woman was in the background, but it wasn't Jen. <laughs> I, I can tell you now, if I was questioned tomorrow, I don't have much on my to-do list from the last three weeks. It would take long. I'd be like, I worked, I came home, I recorded, I went on Tinder, if- I became Noah, I didn't get a date. Uh, I went to if bed. you had a mysterious threesome with Mia Kirshner and I'd be um, bragging about that. That'd be on Facebook. <laughs> I wouldn't hold you know, back. What? Like Ben, uh, were you speeding? <laughs> yes, I did have a threesome with Mia Kirshner and Greg Sestro. <laughs> thanks for asking. I just asked how fast you were going in a 60 zone, but thanks for that information. <laughs> um. Anyway, so he gives up this information. So now Jack, this is where Jack says, I can't get Curtis. Fine, then you give me Tony, which really just feels <laughs> so <laughs> like unnecessary conversation. Uh, Jack's conversation in the helicopter. Now, this is, like I said, it makes no sense. He's talking. This is the quiet. They have literally just, I think, thrown it out the window about the, the laws of of sound and everything like that because we saw on airplanes how, I can't hear you, speak up. And now they're in a helicopter and they can hear each other. But uh, still, the, the conversation is so good. And this is where I will give, every week we're saying, like, props to Kim Raver, like her performance. But this may be her best performance. Again, she's not saying a lot here. It's the response, but... Have you ever seen the body language? You've been talking to a person who doesn't want to hear what you have to say. And it's just that it's not dismissive, but it's right like, Me. yeah, <laughs> look at it. He, he's rolling his eyes and everything. But, but like, she's, she's in a position where she's like, I know I have to have this conversation, but I just don't want to be here. It's not like, oh, Jack again. It's like, I don't want to be having this conversation, but I don't want to say those words. And you just, even in her body language, it just reads, get me out of this quickly, but I can't get out of this. Uh, and and you, you totally get like Jack is now the clingy boyfriend where she's like, Jack, I said I needed some space and I really need some space now that you killed my husband and I just can't get away from you. But like, oh, she's so good in the scene. And even Kiefer, like we're seeing a little bit of a softer side of uh, Jack Bauer here. Um, but then, you know, uh, <laughs> of course, Tony's right there next to Jack. We got a job, <laughs> like you said. Um, but yeah, I love the performance here. And uh, now we get the composite sketch. Uh, they're very quick with you. I think the I think composite sketches are usually done over the court of like hours because I I've seen like some footage where they'll do this. They're they're like three hours with a person. They're questioning, hmm, and you know, d- d- just describe their eyebrows to me. This is five minutes later, and they got a composite sketch, and it's like that's him. I denigrate, um, I denigrate, which is like, but I like I've always wanted one of these. Like I love a program where you can just you make wanted them. a composite sketch. I think it'd be fun. You could just like, like uh, I, there was a suspect. We saw him around a bunch of children in the schoolyard. <laughs> I could just create hot people, but like I would be terrible at this because I guarantee you right now, if I had to do a composite sketch of oh, yeah. you, and I stare at you enough that I should know your face. <laughs> 
But like, I don't know. Like, um, like how would I even describe you right now? I don't know. Old, balding, um, <laughs> sitting here. Like, like, I don't even know what that is. Nose. Yeah, he's got one. Um, thinnish lips, bit of stubble, um, <laughs> eyebrows. What color are your eyes? Blue? I think you've nailed about 50% of my description. You're looking at me right now. <laughs> but like, I never get like how people like, again, I get it. TV shows. I'm sure in real life, these aren't this accurate, but like, like when you see on, t- like, I love it when they describe like, oh, a man robbed a liquor store and he was wearing black pants, a hoodie and green shoes. I'm sure he's going to change. Like, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> if I, if I robbed a store and I'm walking around in my clothes, all right. And it's in the news. Oh, fuck better change then. That's my most no, like, unless you're like, pink covered in polka dots and you've got like an East Albanian accent shouting like, look at me, I'm a robber. Like, I mean, you, you like, do people, I, I like, even when there's like a clear suspect out there, if they say like white man, thirties, jeans and a hoodie, am I looking around the streets going, hmm, that man's white. He's probably in his thirties. He's got yeah. a hoodie and jeans on. Hey, police found your guy. Like, yeah. you know, like it's, I don't, point is I'd be terrible if I, if I see a crime, don't ask me to see what a person looks like. I don't, I don't see color and I don't see gender. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just think this composite sketch, it, does it look like the guy? I don't know, but they say in the commentary that this, they're like, it looks like Richard Heller. Like he just described himself. Now we know his type. Uh, <laughs> which I don't necessarily see that, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty unrealistic that it comes up this quickly and I don't know how much it looks like, but again, they're, I don't know why they need this composite sketch because they, they have the location. So the composite sketch seems to simply be there so that you recognize his face when they cut away. And it, and then you immediately cut to Mandy, so nobody's paying attention to this guy anyways. Uh, but I mean, this is where we get that big reveal where they go straight to Mandy. And, and like you said, it's done in a way where it's like, okay, is is this somebody we're supposed to know? Oh yeah, I think I remember her. Uh, it's not like, you know, obvious, like, you know, David Palmer or whatever. Um, it's a cue. And, I love, it's just like a boom. Yeah, exactly. It's just enough so that you pay attention. Uh, but uh, the the way that they, these two have a conversation where it's like, all right, so they're on to us. I think we have to go. And it's like, well, one of us should stay. And it's like, wait, so one of us should stay and then they're going to kill them. Yes, that's right. Uh, how, how does this, I don't even remember how this exactly goes, but it's basically like a, uh, wait a second, am I going to die? And then he just dies. Uh, no, it's, it, more, it, it's more like, a, it's like, a, yes, one of us has to stay. It's like, yeah, well, what do you mean? It's like, oh, you will. And it's just it's like, bang, she kills it's him. It's going to be you. Yeah. She just kills him. And like, uh, but that's what she's so cool. Like, he's just such a badass yeah. because it's just kind of like, on paper, you should expect this, but like, this is the thing. Like, if you've not watched Twenty Four before, you just don't remember her. Like, even just if you think this is a new character, you think, "Wow, this this is cool." And this is where like the beauty of what they do this week and next week is they don't reveal who this person is on the grand scheme of things until the finale. So then it's kind of almost like that light bulb. I'm like, "Oh, she tried to kill Palmer." So like, it's kind of like it's fan service mixed with just like kind of that like recollection of who she is. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's, it's clever. And I love the fact that all 24 fans know who this is and we're geeking out, but then you still need an explanation. This isn't the obvious Edgar. It's the, the secretary's son. It's not like they go, <laughs> like you see her get in bed and you've got this Greg Sestra going like, Hey Mandy, remember that time you blew up a 747 in the Mojave desert and then tried to kill the president? Do you want to do like something evil today as well? Like, I'm like, that's clearly what they usually do in this show to kind of like, you know, you know, retcon things, but um, yeah, it, it works. It, um, the funny thing here is we have this whole thing about, no, I need Curtis. Okay. Then you're giving me Tony. And then as soon as they get there, Jack's like, okay, Tony, go stand next to castle. <laughs> <laughs> he, they, there's no need for him to be there. You just put him next to the other guys in the field. 
Um, but uh, uh, the, yeah, basically when they go inside the room here, th this is the, the cool reveal where they're like, put your hands up or whatever. And then they spin the chair around as a corpse. So they have to get Richard on the line to be like, is this him? Yes, that's definitely him. He just looks more <laughs> Show dead me now. his penis. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I didn't see him from that angle. Um, and then we, we have uh, Tony basically doing the Sigourney Weaver role in Galaxy Quest. So this is now why Jack Broad was like, all right, Tony, we need you to uh, tell CTU this. Like, uh, th I have one job. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> then Tony's purpose here is basically, oh, we need him to get kidnapped, but we don't have a good reason for him being there. Um, but first thing Mandy's going to do is she's going to take Castle hostage because he turned out to be Not useless. Castle, no. <laughs> Um, so Where's he's taking Canadian hostage. guy. That's him. Oh, is that him? Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's Castle. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, so then Tony, now at first I was going to be like, okay, so Castle, this guy's like, you know, second in command or whatever for as far as field agents. Um, and he just gets taken that easily. But then what does Tony do? Tony's like, ah, take me instead. I want to go. <laughs> I want to be a hostage. Hero loves Castle. He's the leader of the bowling league. <laughs> Yeah, and and then she just shoots Castle anyways, no. uh, and um, we get uh, the the end of the episode. It's kind of a weird cliffhanger here, where you know they can't get Tony on. Tony, Tony, Castle, somebody speak to me. <laughs> they don't know who it is, and uh, then when they come, they find like she she first shoots Castle just to get him in a weakened position, and then shoots him again, and he's dead. So that's it. Castle's gone. Um, but he's off to do Little House on the Prairie at this point, but. Uh, then you get Jack showing up. And, and again, the audience is kind of like ahead of you. Like I kind of like cliffhanger. Cause it's not like we're going to do a million split screens. And then we're going to have so much of what they've done this season, which is like the desperate cliffhangers. But it's like, we've seen him get taken hostage. And then you have that moment where like Tony's gone. We may have a hostage situation on our hands, but you have, it's that pause that Rika Ellsworth has where she's like, I think that I just lost Tony that makes this good. But like the audience knows he's hostage. It's like we might have a hostage situation. Dude, dude. It's, it's it's a little bit of a weird cliffhanger. I I kind of like it. I love like Rekha Ellsworth and Michelle just kind of how she reacts and she's kind of like, oh fuck, like, oh no, I just I said I loved him. So it's different, but I think it just it's a effective cliffhanger that it makes you want to watch next week. Like it's not just like Sherry and Jack roll the car over, which I think we got about this time, like two seasons ago, right? Like it just Yeah, I I, I like it. It kind of works and um you know, leading into what is so good about next week. But, like, I, do we eulogize Castle, even though I just forgot that this is the same guy that we talked <laughs> about? Like, uh, my bad. But, um, yeah, I like it. It kind of, it does set it up well. And it's fucking Mandy. I mean, God. Shirt, is, I think Mia Kershaw, well, she wasn't shirtless in season two, was she? But I swear she's been, like, shirtless in every season of any TV show I've ever watched. I think she just really likes her boobs. And they're quite nice boobs, by the way. Female Henry Cavill. Oh, and, you get get to, and, and, and just want to say, in in uh, equal opportunity, Pervs, you get to see Carlos Bernard's boobs next week, and they're nice <laughs> boobs as well. Yeah, he's fully stripped next week. Uh, I mean, we're not the unfurled frontal, but still. I uh, wish. Trivia for this episode. <laughs> now, is this is this right? William Devane, he, this is it for him this season? Yeah, he's not uh, back Why? until next season. All right. I he appeared I, in the finale. Maybe he doesn't. Credit to him that he made such an impact because he's in so little of this season. Um, oh, like, the first he, half. He's in a lot of the first the first half, but then he's just gone. But yet, I never really look back on the season and don't remember him as being a major character. But like, he just disappears and then barely comes back here. And I'm going to say this now, and he's probably going to be dead by the time we release this. But uh, Willem Dafoe still alive. Um, there you go. Um, no, and he's only in. A couple of episodes next season. He's in 
two episodes in season six and then obviously becomes a major character in Live Another Day. So he's in all of Live Another Day. But um, yeah, he's sort of really... Until season nine, he's only in now one, two, three, four, five more episodes. So uh, three next season and two in season six. Did you read this trivia about Carlos? Yeah, this... <laughs> I wonder if this, this this reads almost like somebody edited it and it's got to be fiction, but it is pretty funny if you want to go with that one. I, thought, I didn't know if you were going to say this is mentioned on the commentary. So Carlos Bernard no. set up a practical joke where he had his cop friend arrest Mia Kirshner for smoking marijuana on the set. His friends took the joke too far and Kirshner was unable to continue her scenes with Bernard. Kiva Sutherland commented that the director of the episode was reportedly very upset. That um, seems pretty far-fetched for me. Um... What other scenes was she supposed to have in this episode? I mean, I don't know, but uh, still, it's pretty funny if that is true. I also like, did you read the, um, I think this one was also on IMDb, the uh, apparently reference to Dennis Haysbert's famous uh, Allstate uh, insurance commercial. So the Speaker of the House, Don no. Ashton, tells Mike Novick that he takes comfort that the new President Logan is being advised by former President David Palmer, which why? Again, their opposition. The speaker says that he's in good hands, which could possibly be a reference to Allstate commercials that Dennis Haysbert, who plays Palmer, stars in. Allstate's model is, are you in good hands? I'm sure that the 24 writers are going, hmm, we need to reference Dennis Haysbert's famous commercials. Which, hey, you know, I, how much they were paid by Allstate for that. And they're like, that's all we got? <laughs> I think I've seen them because I think back in the day when I used to like um, get a stream of CBS when I used to watch Survivor Live, I think they would always have the Dennis Oh, Haysbert. yeah, they were on all the time. Not as good as Jack Bauer selling me crypto. <laughs> I don't even know what it is, but I want to buy it. It's like I never wanted. I, no disrespect to Dennis Hayes, but he man can sell you know water to Eskimos, whatever that that ice Eskimos, whatever that saying is. But like, are you allowed to say Eskimos anymore? I don't think you are. Uh, but uh, <laughs> fuck, I don't know. Probably can't even say Dennis Hayes, anymore. It's probably offensive. But like. I would buy Dennis Hayes, selling me insurance if I could buy it in my country. I can't buy all state. I'd rather buy crypto. Shut up and move on. Colin, let's wrap the episode up. Uh, one other thing just to mention here. This is more of a blooper that I find kind of funny. I wish I could go back and hear it. Um, right when they're getting ready to do the raid here uh, with Mandy's hotel or whatever, uh, Jack says, team B and C, acknowledge when you're in position. And then the response comes, team A set, team C in position. Uh, so, <laughs> what about team B? Where did they go? Jack's like, good to know, Jenkins. Where's team B? And, and like, I'm pretty sure Jack is team A. So he's like, what was that? What, why are you, are you standing right next to me? Why did you need to acknowledge the position? I asked he's for Canadian team, team A. <laughs> a, yeah. Um, I am still going to buy this episode. Um, I, I think that it's the dialogue scenes that really make it. And uh, it's. I, I don't know if it's necessarily as good as last week, but it's still a pretty solid episode and still worthy of a buy. Uh, yeah, I'm buying. I think I spoiled it by saying I'm basically buying everything until like the halfway point of season two. Uh, season two. Season five. <laughs> Um, I, I enjoy it. It's good. It's setting up stuff. Next week is a much better episode. And I love next week. Um, but I, do I have this higher than last week? I rented last week, didn't I? So yes, I think it is a better episode than last week. I have this uh, in 50th position right now. I've which, got it at 40th position. Ah, close. Um, technically I have this in 51st cause I've already ranked next week's but uh overall this episode will finish at 104th out of 216 episodes so nearly the very halfway point of the season rankings Colin. and next week oh. tom who's tom uh tom i don't I know you just call me tom 
Colin. Oh, Colin. Colin. Sounds like similar Thanks, Tom. to Tom. We both spell and pronounce our names differently. Good to meet you, Tom. Um, yeah, so uh, next week we're going to get a lot more with Mandy. We're going to get what happens with uh, Carlos and his kidnapping. This this is it. This was unscripted. This was Mia Kirshner. Like, you got me arrested <laughs> as a practical joke. I'm going to strip you and hold you hostage. Uh, but w- what really I think is the most exciting thing next week is the way that the Michelle and Tony storyline kind of comes full circle. And, and in a way, I kind of wish that they had been able to have this be the end. I, I, I'm not saying I don't love the surprise of what we get next season, but you couldn't have asked for a better ending than the way that they actually wrap up the storyline season four. Yeah, I, I almost would have you like them to kind of end it here. But yeah, again, you're right with the episode. I, I, next week's got a potential top five moment because even this moment happens, I thought it was real. I didn't realize it was not real, which I won't spoil it. But like I was so effective that I was like, holy fuck. And like you wouldn't put it past 24 for what happens next week to be a real moment. But also we sort of get the return of the China stuff. I, I love the cliffhanger next cliffhanger. It's a very basic cliffhanger next week, but I love next week. I think next week's a fantastic episode. Um, overall, out of my 216-odd uh, rankings, this comes uh, in the top 30. So, um, yeah, great episode. Better than the finale. Way better than the finale. Just say that right now. I mean, and technically next week is the finale because it, it aired as one night, like back-to-back episodes. I don't remember if this was like they aired it as a two hour, or if it was like one night on one night off, I mean, uh, I, I can't remember. You have to look at that. that. I have, this is the third um, best episode of the entire season next week. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and it's only in the top 30, but again, that's kind of like, that's, that's sort of a season four thing. Like there's not as many absolute greatest episodes of all time, but it's very consistent. I think. Yeah. Well, not, none of my, yeah, no season four episodes make my overall top 10. I got 11 and 12 for the overall of all the episodes, but, um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, this did air as a two-hour episode um, the following week. So it's part one and part two of the finale. But we will air them weekly uh, because we are we will. doing that. And we don't have time. Uh, <laughs> we we're running have out time. of time. We're, we're stretching it. Uh, so yeah, we're going to be coming up in the next two weeks on the finale, and then we'll get our season recap, and then we jump into season five, the Whoa, big one. I can't believe we're there. Uh, we're also uh, starting this week, the Australia Canada Month, or is that next week? That, next Colin, week. would be next week. Yeah. So we will have tomorrow. When the war began. Forever in the world yesterday, whatever it's called. Yay. Uh, Kids in the Hall, Brain Candy, Australia, and the sweet hereafter. Doesn't Australia go for like eight hours? Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, this, this is going to be like our, our Dead Duck Month, which will be coming soon to the Oz Network. I forgot about dead that. Dead Duck Month. <laughs> We're doing Dead Duck Month. Come on, Hugh Jackman, Nicole. Have we done a Nicole Kidman film? We did Aquaman, I guess. Um, yeah. Oh, come on. Brian Brown's in it. David. We have Tennant. lots of stuff. Tennant? Yeah. David Tennant's in it? Not David He's Tennant. not even Australian. David, um, oh, who's the guy? Wenham. David, thank you. David Wenham. Yeah. Yeah. The other David. <laughs> There's two Davids. Essie Davis is in it. Two. Tasmania's own. I've interviewed Essie Davis. And Ben Waterworth. <laughs> I was a little <laughs> Aboriginal boy. <laughs> Resemblance is uncanny. There is one sequence in that movie which I actually really enjoyed. Somewhere uh, over the rainbow. It is bait, like the true story part about the bombing of Darwin. That really happened. So that's that's a it. somewhat true. Bit. Yeah, Australia got bombed in the war once. 
once. <laughs> we got bombed once, once upon a Did time. Did Canada ever get bombed? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we have. Ian uh, Fleming doesn't <laughs> even want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does. Don't, Eon don't doesn't mess with him. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll have 24 and Australian and Canadian stuff, and I'm sure we've done a review of John Wick at this point. And, uh, oh, what a movie. Well, John Wick Chapter 4. Much more Wick in this one. I was very happy. It, it was maximum Wick. It was three, in no time to die length, three hours. There better be a lot of Wick, um, said Jamie. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, that's it. My name is Colin, and uh, show him who's in charge. And my name is Tom, and... Sure. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.